Welcome back to episode 12 of Storm King's Teddy. I'm Wind, and across the great United States from me, my good friend Cat. How you doing, Cat? I'm good. All right. Uh, so we had session 12 last night, and I don't think it was intended to be uh, entirely role play, but it ended up that way. Yeah, it was uh, in between dungeons. Uh, um, I got a little insight after the session ended on how Teddy like conducts the stuff, and he's like, "There's like three phases. There's the down phase, the investigation phase, and then the prepping phase." And he said, "Right now, we were concluding the down phase and beginning the in uh, investigation phase." Yeah. So. Uh, I think that if we would have gotten through the RP at spare parts quicker, we probably would have gotten started with um, something. But um, we we did cover quite a bit of ground in RP, so uh, so let's talk about that. It actually started. Uh, we had a week off in between uh, this go around, and so we had plenty of time for the fireside chat. And uh, Winifred's usually really good about getting all of that started. And there was um, a lot of chat. Essentially, he showed up to spare parts and had some news for us. And um, Keelan was in the middle of uh, cooking supper. And so Winifred kind of went around and wrangled up everybody. And then there was... Uh, some RP in the kitchen while uh, I cooked. Winifred helped out. And you were down in the basement. So um, tell us what tell us what happened uh, with you during the uh, in-character chat. Um, this was um, not in session. This was a, a fireside chat. So this right, was between right. sessions. Um, but yeah, I... Um, you and Winifred were both getting on me about joining in on the chat and like inserting Tabane here and like you know actually RPing for once. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll I'll RP a little bit. So I put myself in the training room with Smiter of Nightmares across my lap and I was um basically doing like mental training. Like I was trying to talk to it or like figure out the the ins and outs of it to no avail um which was fine i wasn't expecting anything coming out of it anyways but you know that's what i was doing is i was um trying to talk to my sword and winifred and lars stumbled across me you know they were a little i think um winifred was hesitant at first because you know i'm sitting here making faces cursing and goblin you know just being strange um, but you know, it was harmless as just nothing to be scared about. So I was like, all right, um, uh, that's how it started for me. Winfred, um, offered to, they said that dinner was happening. It was upstairs. Like, do you want to join us in finding the others or do you just want to go upstairs? And I'm like, I'll go upstairs. And then I went upstairs. He, uh, wrangled up, um, Portia from the workshop, which I, I think the layout is it's like right next door the to the training room or something like that. I don't exactly know how the layout of the basement is. Um, yeah, so you guys 
basically came upstairs is where it all led, right? You went yeah. to put Smiter of Nightmares. And that's uh, that's something good to bring up again. So Smiter of Nightmares is the way that you picked up your Warlock level. Yes. Um, since it became sentient, um, it has the powers of a Hexblade, and it is granting me those powers. Um, and that is the the in-character and out-of-character reason of why I chose Warlock. All right, so then essentially the session picked up after we had done some um, RP in the kitchen with um, making of tea, making of supper, and uh, the actual session picked up with everyone coming to the supper table. And Mask started us off by talking about their investigations in the city and had some information about uh, Harshnag. Um, So Gorko found some information and uh, also uh, Mask did. And um, it was funny because in the kitchen, uh, Winifred had dropped the guys and became mask. And, um, so, um, it was a Gilda had not yet seen mask without a, uh, without a different guise on. So tried to introduce themselves. And, uh, so that was, that was some good role play for, for mask. Yeah. Gilda was like, Oh, I don't think uh, we've met before. You know, I'm Gilda. And then, Mask is just like, oh, no, we've met. Um, implying that, like, he was Winifred, and Gil is just like, oh, oh, okay. And then she just didn't take it any further than that. So we found out that um, Harshnag was staying in a cave just outside of town. We think it's to the northwest, kind of a, a tucked away coastal cave, I think, is the way it was described. Uh, and that we should be able to find it easy enough. And we don't, we were told we don't want to bother him unless we actually have business and also not while he's eating. (laughs) So, um, and we talked about, uh, see mass gave 200 gold pieces to the, um, repair and renaming of the tortured turtle. Um, and they also said they hadn't gotten much into um, investigation on the Storm Lords yet. Um, Portia did offer to help investigate the Storm Lords, and I think they mentioned they were going to be looking into York a bit more. Um, and we also uh, came up with a tidbit of information that House Kundrak vaults are... Um, so, essentially, uh, that they are local. They, it's not like uh, outside of Stormreach. Um, let's see. Uh, also, that York has a good relationship with House Kundrek, um, and that they enjoy some political power through him. And Paolo Amaran has favor with the house also because she's uh, with uh, House Deneath, I think was the name, because she's dating one of their representatives. Um, 
And then you were next up, and you actually told the party about what was going on with Smiter of Nightmares. Yep. Um, Winifred uh, said his um, information gathering and whatnot. And then I was like, okay, I think that's all he has to do. So I'm like, all right, um, I'll just come out and say it. Like, uh, my sword is sentient. I basically just told the party. And uh, I was expect. I don't know what I was expecting, but the reactions I got wasn't what I was expecting at all. Because I'm like, hey, my sword is sentient. Like, uh, I don't really know how to handle this. And Portia's just like, oh, yeah, that's quite common. There's nothing to worry about. I was like, uh, okay. Uh, uh, you you showed a little concern um as keelan and i was and i was i guess i was more expecting like concern or like questions or whatever but it was just like no yeah that's quite common swords are sentient all the time i was like oh well my question was what is this thing saying inside of your head i mean is it get up in the middle of the night and murder people or um is it just talking no, it's uh, right now. It's talking. Um, it's he, he's uh, he's very friendly and nice. Um, he, he he has good intentions. Like he, um, he, they mentioned um, like they were created from their master to protect their family and all this stuff like that. And you know, it's it's not. Um, it, there's not any evilness, I guess. In the sword, I mean, I guess it has a thing against um, Kuari. I guess that there's that, but you know, it's not. It's a it's a good sword. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that for a second. Evidently, in one of the past podcasts, we got it wrong. We were talking about how it would do like extra damage against mind flayers and uh, and that sort of thing, and that that's inaccurate, right? Yeah. So talk about the creatures and the conditions oh, where okay. the extra damage would be done. Um, let me, um, do you need to find it? Yeah, I need to find it. Sorry. Okay. No problem. So, um, once you were done telling us about the, actually you had an episode at the table where the sword started talking to you again. And it was, so you were, you were speaking, but not to us, which was a little concerning, but, um, then you told us what was going on and, um, it, uh, that, that part of it died down. Um, the other thing that got brought up at supper was, uh, Keelan brought up her growing, dislike for the lack of equal structure in the group. And, uh, there was some pushback. Um, and, um, her concern mainly centered around, um, thinking that we had elected a leader. And then when our party got split on something that kind of went out the window. Um, and the other thing was uh, wealth distribution that I, I mentioned that we hadn't been uh, no, no one other than a few of us had had any sort of wealth distributed to them uh, since uh, we came back from the first 
dungeon crawl. So um, I was, and, and essentially spoke my mind and said that I was feeling very much like a henchman rather than uh, an equal participant. And, and like I said, there was some pushback. Um, so how did you think that went? Um, it, it, it could have gone worse. Um, That's always the case. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I think some questions were left unanswered and that is going to come up, um, at a later date, but I, I do think some good came out of it. Um, that you know like you know you were recommended to be like the treasurer of the party like to be um in charge of the the loot of the loot and coin and magical items and distributing it fairly and whatnot so that i think is good but it was more of like the decision making was more of just like, well, we'll decide in the moment rather than have a plan ahead of time. And uh, my own feeling is that that is a huge mistake because at that point you're going to have a party divided and if the feelings are strong enough, some of them are going to go direction A, some of them direction B, for all we know, direction C and D too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all for everyone having a fair say. And then if... Uh, and this is this is Keelan's perspective. Everyone should have their say, and then if they if their say carries, then they get their way. If their say doesn't, then they still go along, help the party as well as they can, and then decide between you know in the downtimes that we have whether one of their core values has been, um, you know ignored badly enough that they just can't continue. But um, I I think that it puts everyone in danger when, um, like I said, this is Keelan's view. Uh, So she thinks it puts everyone in danger when uh, we're not operating as a cohesive unit. So, um, and my understanding was that you were unanimously um, made the leader so I assumed that everybody had a vote, and if there was a tie, you broke ties. Um, and that was some of the pushback I got, that um, you weren't unanimously voted as leader. So the um, the stipulation, I guess, that Keelan's going to have before she will accept the responsibility of being this uh, quote-unquote treasurer is that she has the entire party's consent and and support to do it. Because if there's one naysayer, then it's just not going to work. And and she'll, she'll let everybody know that when this uh, inevitably comes up again. Um, but uh, then uh, Teddy suggested that... Um, it might be a good idea for everyone in the party to assume a role. And you kind of got more into that with him afterwards, right? Yes. Um, so talk about that a bit. After the session, Teddy was giving me some 
uh, constructive criticism, which was fine. I asked for it. Um, I kind of like, I didn't interact much in the last session, kind of distanced myself. You know, I just, I just, something was with me where I was just like, I'm not in the mood to RP right now. So I didn't do much RPing. But after the session, you know, Teddy was just like, hey, you know, um, that treasurer idea is a good idea. And like, if you want Tavane to become a better leader, or if you want to RP better and, you know, all this other stuff, he basically gave me some homework. And he's like, I have a great idea. And he's like, I got some roles that I'll create. They'll have special um, abilities that you can do and whatnot. And he gave me six roles and was just like, hey, this is something Tavane can think over and you can assign these roles to um, every member of the party, one including for myself. And that's what happened after the session is he just gave me some homework and I gave it some thought. I, I've come to some decisions. I'm not, I feel fairly confident in my decisions on what they are. I just don't know how everyone else will, um, how they will uh, be accepting of it or if they'll be like, no, I don't want to do this or, you know, I don't, I don't know how I can't predict how other people will react. So Prue um, was, uh, I, I don't know, bothered by the by the conversation. So she left and actually went and sought out her father um, at a tavern, and they had uh, some RP time there. Uh, and she was talking to him about how he dealt with working with civilian groups rather than uh, military. So he talked to her some about that. Then Prue came back to the house, <clears throat> excuse me, and did a, uh, went kind of room to room and spoke with everyone, I believe. Uh, I know she spoke with uh, Keelan and she spoke with Portia and I think Tabane. I, I don't remember, uh, was Lars and Mask in that as well? Uh, no, um, Prue came and talked to me after the session was over. So that was kind of like a, Teddy was there too, but it was, um, it was more like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It was nothing serious, nothing secretive. She was very nice and very kind to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I um, didn't assume that it would have been different. Um, okay. So then we kind of got into the the real prep work. Oh, um, we found out, um, also that, uh, Dabshaba and Riley have been getting along famously and playing with one another. Um, and then, oh, what was the name of the gnome that came to the house? Iracel Sadra. Yes. And so, uh, she showed up had supper with us, um, and, um, talk about that a bit. Um, she basically was, she called Portia on the phone. I think it's a phone. 
I don't know. Uh, Eberron's a weird place. It's like a communication um, crystal. It's the equivalent yeah. of a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, but Portia got a call. It was curious. She was just like, hey, you know, when um, when can we, like, come over and chat and, like, have dinner and whatever? And Portia's just like, now. Like, right now. And she's just like, oh, okay. So, you know, she promptly made her way to spare parts. She um, had dinner with us, you know, had a couple chat and questions. A um, couple drinks. Her, yeah, a couple of drinks. Um, I think she was getting tipsy here and there. Um, and then we pretty much filled her in about this whole black market deal. Um, or not deal, uh, black market problem that's uh, brewing from... Uh, Huber and you know him blaming the bilge rats and or framing the bilge rats and all this other stuff and she gave us some um, a, a good starting point to start investigating this black market because they're obviously after um, these uh, titanic relics uh, they because they hit spare parts and uh, you know, get, kind of been making trouble around those relics. So uh, we did find out that um, she can get us access to the Titanic relic that York took from us. If we want to, um, you know, prod at it and kind of investigate it, you know, let uh, let Portia do her thing trying to figure out what's going on with it. Um, because I guess once one of the storm Lords, uh, puts something into evidence that any of them have the right to look at it themselves or send delegations. So she could delegate us to go. And then, um, let's see. Also said, um, we had kind of inferred, but, uh, it was more or less outright said that the black market may be using a ship as their base. And uh, also, once again, trying to frame the bilge rats, uh, possibly the golden lions, but we think that's kind of a, uh, a red herring. And um, also she said that a good place to start would be the Fishbone Tavern. And she gave us a card with the address on it. Because that was a haunt for uh, the bilge rats. And um, then, let's see, uh, what else did she have to tell us? Um, I think that mostly covers it. I'm struggling. Was to... the rest of it the drunken, the drunken talk about Portia? Yeah. So, so there was some hijinks there where, um, the, she was telling us, uh, secrets on, uh, on, uh, Portia and, um, Lars, <laughs> uh, heard all of this and was, um, following her down to her workshop, kind of, uh, kind of teasing her about it. Um, and then, um, Lars decided that he was starting to deflate. <laughs> so he wasn't uh, looking as as pumped as he wanted to look. 
So he decided that he wanted to buy a home gym. So he went and was it mask that kept telling him just to lift rocks? Yeah. (laughs) And then we, um, we ended up going back to that foundry where, uh, Keelan had bought the mithril and, uh, there, uh, we, we were able to purchase an old, uh, home gym set for, I think it was 150 gold notes. It was supposed to be 150 gold notes, but I think, uh, Omarin said she wanted a calendar and a special 13th month. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So instead yeah. of the gold, Lars had to do like a special 13th month for her. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's like the 19th hole in golf. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it was supposed to be about 150. Basically, he got it for uh, a wink and a smile. So, much. yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I uh, very oddly ran across a recipe for uh, Endurian waffles. Uh, we found out that. Uh, uh, Prue likes waffles. So, <laughs> um, Keelan's been kind of doing the cooking and I, I think that it was like, uh, like a storm grate opened up and this little origami paper boat came out and it was a recipe for waffles. So I'm going to have to start a, start a cookbook. Um, and, uh, we did find out <laughs> what the deal was with, um, all of the hubbub with uh, Portia and why she was so embarrassed, but I won't go into it. It was kind of funny, though. Um, but then when everybody woke up, we had a home gym out in the yard, and Keelan and Tabanay and Lars were all uh, lifting. And so from an RP standpoint, um, this is what I'm going to do to explain my increase in strength from 14 to 15 next level. Um, and, uh, obviously Lars is using it just as an RP to, so that he stays huge and, and kind of keep up those glam muscles. Yeah. Got to keep up the glam. So, um, let's see. And then, uh, I think at that point, uh, Winifred had left, uh, Mask had reassumed the Winifred guys, I believe, and left and went to speak with Prue's dad at the tavern. Um, yeah, I think that's, isn't that what happened there at the last? Uh, yeah, um, they, they had a talk, um, and I think it was implied that, uh, Baruch, um, arrested Winifred in the past. Yes. I don't think it was implied. I think, uh, Winifred outright told him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so he didn't remember it or at least said he didn't remember it. Um, and maybe, um, mask was in a different guise at the time. That's why Burke didn't remember. Or yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, or it could just be the real Winifred he arrested. Um, but we don't know that. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, okay. And I think that was most of what happened. So, 
I believe next session we should be ready to more or less get together and at least start um, shaking some trees, uh, going over to the Fishbone Tavern, seeing what there is to see, and starting to track things down from that point. What do you think? I certainly hope so. Um, I mean, I'm not a combat junkie, but I would like to have some combat or maybe I just need to be more involved in RP because I didn't roll a single dice in this last session. I got to roll a dice and it was to actually see how well my, my new recipe came out and it came out really good with my, uh, with my bonuses. I ended up with a 22. So, uh, Teddy said it was like uh, Michelin star quality. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, it also, it was so good. It gave us uh, five temporary HP. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. And not only five temporary HP, but stackable H, uh, temporary HP. Yes. Um, and I don't think you're normally supposed to, Correct. I don't think you can normally stack temp HP. Yeah, I you think can. You, it, it overrides it or whatever. But, but Teddy was gracious enough to allow it to be stacked this time. Said until uh, the next, uh, basically, um, the next time that we did a long rest, that um, like your inspiring leader would stack with it, and so, and Keelan's got an idea for an RP prop, and uh, well, I mean it could i guess technically be used in combat but it's going to be more of an rp prop and uh, i i haven't put i haven't put the proposal together to run it by teddy yet but i know what i'm i know what i have in my head i just want to uh, get it all written out for him and sit out sit over well i look forward to what that is well i if you really want to know i'll i'll tell you i just won't tell you on the podcast you know so, that's fair. So, um, okay, so um, what else? That about covers everything, unless there's a special topic you want to cover. Um. So, oh, do you, did you find the um, the creatures that your sword's supposed to be killing? Oh yes, let me let me let me let me let me pull back up. Um, uh, the Kuari are basically they manifest as spirits and are very rare to come across. Um, it says uh, their home Delkir is literally where consciences go when they dream. Um, so they're kind of like. So they're literal nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also something here, Teddy said, that uh, the Kalishtar people were created when humans and elves willingly fused their souls with 67 rogue Kiori. So uh, I guess I would do extra damage to Kalishtar as well. Because they are fused into a Kuari. And also anything possessed by one of these things, right? Yes. Which I think we've come across one before. If I'm not mistaken, I think um, 
in the first dungeon, Steeljack was possessed by one. Oh, okay. I might be, I might be wrong on this, but I... Yeah, I maybe. Am, I'm pretty... I'm like 90% positive Steeljack was possessed by one. So we've come... I believe we've come across him already. If I'm wrong, Teddy will let me know by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we didn't really get to see any any uh, new abilities or anything like that go on, so uh, I don't even have a, a Toll the Dead update. I know. We might just have to play it for fun in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to find it. <laughs> um, I actually started looking it up for uh, for the podcast, and I realized, oh, you know what? I don't need this song, so I was just listening to other music. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I've got unless, um, unless you've got something else. No, I've got it covered. Um, I guess, I mean, we touched on it before, but I, I guess Tabane will be, uh, assigning structure and roles to people in the future. You want to go into what those roles were? I can, um, let me pull up the message. So there's six roles that Teddy has um, created and given me homework for. Um, we have the tactician. We have a treasurer. There is an egalitarian. The lore master. Uh, the voice. And uh, the cartographer. Okay. Um so you said that there was going to be something special attached to each one of these, like an yeah. ability or something. Like, um, like for example, like for the tactician, um, if they come up with a plan that involves everyone in the party, we would all then get advantage on our initiative roles. Um, oh, that's pretty another, good. Another example is a treasurer can convert small valuables like gems into currency. Um, you know, you know, just kind of stuff like that. So I've been giving it a lot of thought and I hope it, everyone is happy or accepting of their roles. Um, it's not, I, I will say it's not like, Oh, this person gets this role because I've already chosen five others. And you're the last person to choose, so I guess you get this role by default. Now, I've given it a considerable amount of thought, and more than I probably should. Well, and if you're, if it's going to be on you to do the assigning, just make sure you're not putting yourself in that uh, tail end of it either. Right, yeah. I mean, you're um, not saying that you should assign your own role first, but... Um, yeah, don't put yourself in the, well, this is all that's left, so this is what I'm going to do either. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and um, oh, shit, I had a train of thought, but I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you're fine. You were talking about the roles. Yes, I was. I was talking about the roles. Um, yeah, just it's right. gone to the wind. It's right. lost. It, it left the station. All right. Um, Well, I don't have anything else, so short podcast this time around.
Yep. Short podcast, nice and sweet and short. All right. Well, I will thank you once again for uh, carving out some of your Monday to uh, chat with me. And I will, uh, at the very very least, I'll be talking to you again when I finish your book. So, Kat, pleasure as always. Thanks, man. Yep. Thank you.